Nancy Stafford is our next guest on the show. She is a Hollywood actress. Uh, you might remember her from such shows as Matlock and St. Elsewhere and Sidekicks and Doctors. And you might remember her from Miss Florida. Her and Sandra Bullock competed against each other. Miss <laughs> <laughs> congeniality. Uh, Nancy uh, also has a bit of a love affair with Marina Del Rey. And she joins us on the phone right now. Nancy, how, first of all, how are you? How Do you have like a hey. w- wicked coffee cold voice? Oh, my gosh. It's, I feel like Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are too young to even know who No, I'm just, I'm, anyway. that was a fake laugh. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, of course. About. No reference. It's a bad reference. No, I'm, I'm just fighting the thing everybody else has all over the country and the world. Oh, so. it's unbelievable. How are you guys? Well, I'm, I seem to be, I've, I've missed it so far, the, the big crazy call. You, you haven't been sick either, Tim, well, have you? because I've been teaching for 16 years and I'm immune to a lot of stuff right. now. Yeah. Seriously, the things that kids oh, drag wow. in. Yeah. Um, so, Marina Del Rey, let's talk about, uh, May 1989. That was a good uh, month, wasn't it? It was. It was my one of the best months of my life when uh, uh, the handsome, fabulous, wonderful Larry Myers became my husband. Easy, easy. <laughs> uh, th- oh, you're coming yeah. up. You're coming up to 30 years of marriage, and I am a yeah. love story junkie. I should have. I should have. I should have worked for Hallmark. Um. Mm-hmm. I want to know what happened in Marina Del Rey. Wow, it was a love. It was a, it was something out of a Hallmark movie. I've done a lot of Hallmark movies, but I've never done this scene. Um, I walked into a coffee shop. This is well before Starbucks ever even imagined being in existence. It was an little espresso shop in Marina Del Rey, and there was a man with a newspaper up over his face. He went in for his first coffee every morning. He was living on a sailboat, all that romantic thing. And um, I had just moved to the marina. He lowers this newspaper, and me, I, who have never been attracted to men by looks, really, ever, except you make me laugh and my knees will go totally weak. Uh, Then we should have met 50 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he lowers his paper, and I look into these amazing eyes, and... I literally gasped for breath. I mean, it was like I went, he said, hi. And I went, oh, uh, hi. And I immediately turned around and um, left and went down, came back. Here's what had happened. He said, okay. And he started praying. He just started praying. He goes, okay, God, I'm in here every morning. I've never seen this woman before. I may never see her again. If she ever comes back, give me something to say to her. So sure enough, I walked right back in. And this is what God told him to say to me. He said, wow, if I were to meet you at a party, I would just have to get to know you. Now, to appreciate the line, Larry Myers is a man with no guile. This is like total, sincere, from the heart kind of thing. Well, I immediately, because it's Marina Del Rey, I'm thinking single capital of the world. Where are your gold chains and which Ferrari is yours out there? I'm, you know, I'm so not impressed. <laughs> are you doing? Heart. Are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, how you doing? So I got real kind of depressed, and I just said, well, you know, oh, that's very kind. So literally, I turned around, and that was it. Well, for the next two weeks, we ran into each other every day, totally unplanned, at the grocery store, at the gym, at the market, at the post office. And every day, we'd just say a little bit more, hi, how are you? Isn't it a nice day? 
but neither of us imagined the other could share what was our most important value, and that was faith. So, you know, we were both attracted to each other, but we weren't about to kind of act on it. And finally, one day, I'm at the gym. He'll hate me telling you this story. <laughs> I'm at the gym, and this is the 80s. you got to remember. Imagine, just remember and, and, and think in your mind, Jane Fonda with leg warmers and the headband. Okay, you got that image in your mind? Yeah, I just had a little mini barf right there. Just a little. There you go. There you go. Well, I'm on my exercise bike, sweating like a little pig, (laughs) uh, reading one of my many little spiritual books I was always reading. He comes out of aerobics class. Larry Myers and 25 girls dressed like Jane Fonda in all the gear. 25 women and Larry, who's head to toe in spandex. He's wearing spandex. <laughs> the 80s aerobics. I mean, what a vision. He comes out and, and all these women, Larry, bye, Larry. Oh, Larry. Oh, see you next time, Larry. I'm thinking, this guy's total trouble. So he spots me and makes a beeline for me across the gym. And then he looks at this book and he goes, wait a minute. You're reading Jay Adams, the author. And I went, wait a minute. How do you even know who Jay Adams is? He goes, oh my gosh, do you happen to be a Christian? And I went, uh, yeah. And I'm looking at him head to toe in his spandex. Are you? <laughs> you guys, don't tell me you're a Christian. He goes, yeah. He said, and he says, I'm a pastor. And I went, what church do you pastor? Wow. I mean, it was so funny. So um, we, we started dating from there when we both realized that, okay, these are people that are going to be on the same wavelength. So anyway, that was my introduction to Larry Myers and his spandex. So stinking funny. It really is. Yeah. It, it, three years later. Hello, I'm years. Pastor yeah. Spandex. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Of the Church of, uh, of Downward Dog. Yeah, the know, Church whatever. of Downward Dog. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man. I'm trying to remember the last time I was in Marina del Rey, and I think I was, um, no, I, I do know this, not I think. I was in some fancy little lunchy restaurant trendy thing. It was so trendy, it didn't even have a sign out front. And you go through uh, <laughs> and sit in the back uh, area where all the, and I'm, uh, well, I can't remember these people's names. Anyway, um, uh, the one celebrity whose name I can't remember uh, was sitting in the corner with the sleeves from his sweater over his shoulders tied in front of him. Like that look hadn't gone out already. And he had his he had his back against the wall, noticing people noticing him. And uh, uh-huh. but I was there with I was there with Candace Cameron Bure, a friend of mine, uh, played DJ in Full House, a super super Christian. It, like it goes, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Kirk Cameron, then Candace. Uh, and th- and then. Um, and who else? Was, oh, John Ratzenberger was there with us, Cliffy from uh, from Cheers. Oh yeah. Anyway, oh my gosh, that was my Marina Del Rey yeah. experience. It's quite a, it's it's quite the scene. It's cra- kind of crazy, but anyway, that's that's hometown. Why were <laughs> you so insecure when you were younger? You know, it's so funny. You should ask it that way. I love it because you're just so right there. Um, I don't know. My parents, I had an amazingly affirming, incredible family life. Um, And they always instilled from the moment I was little that I was special on the inside. I I never felt like it had to do with I had to perform or whatever. But I had a self-perception, and I think this is really the universal issue for many people who struggle with low self-esteem or feelings of inadequacy. There's a self-perception 
that gets planted at some point in time, little when you're teeny. I don't know what it is. But no matter what family said, no matter what other people said, I, I still felt incredibly insecure. And the other part of the problem, I think, was I was very shy. I was insecure, and I was very compliant. I was a, I was a nice kid. I was a good student. It was like kiss of death to my social life at school. I mean, I was, I was the nerd. From the time I can remember, I was the nerd, the dork, the geek of my school from first grade all the way till I graduated. And I graduated from Fort Lauderdale High School, a class of like 600 people. So that's a lot of people to be the number one nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and it really, so it, it, kind of, it kind of was hard. And I had other friends who were sort of in my little dork society. They were also nerds, but um, the dork society. But they, they were they were able to uh, allow those you know things to kind of roll off their back. You know those people that have just such a sense of self that that they're fine. Hmm. But someone could say the most horrible things to them, and it wouldn't even phase them. But you could look at me just sideways, and it would go straight into my heart. But here's what I've learned as I've become an adult. I've also learned that God made me sensitive, okay? I was overly sensitive as a child to the stuff that came at me from the world, but the gift of sensitivity that I've now learned that has been bestowed on me by God, I know, it means that I'm sensitive to His Spirit, I'm compassionate and empathetic, and very sensitive to people around me. So there's a give and take, I think, sometimes... You know, the things we hate most about ourselves or the things that we feel like are the biggest detriments Oh yeah, are yeah. often gifts given to us. Yeah, right? I, I've said ad nauseum that everyone's gift has a backside. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, you're you know, right. one, you're of, right. one of my gifts is you know, I'm a pretty decent communicator when people bring me out to speak at speaking gigs, which isn't very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, what gets me into trouble all the time? It's my yap, you know. So, anyway... What is that? Well, no, but yeah, and yeah, see, and that's what you use. That's what your gifting is to earn you even a living. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't get you into trouble. You're probably just very candid and very authentic. <laughs> let me let me go to the uh, judge on that one. Uh, judge, do I get into trouble with my mouth? Uh, wrong answer. Thanks for playing. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says. Um, yeah. So so Nancy Stafford. Uh, that's my way of letting everyone know who we're talking to. Um, what very, what was it that good, very professional? What, yeah, that's me. What was it that drove you to get into into things like modeling and and being an actress? Or sorry, that's sexist now or something, isn't it? Actress? It's no, act- they're all they're all actors. You know what? Whatever. Anyway, actors. But you know what? It's got, we've gone too far. Okay. Yeah, so so what was um, it? What was it that drove you to get into these? Hey, look at me things. When you were such a you know, little shy girl. What, like, what made you I go, know. no, I'm going to do this? It's the irony of ironies, isn't it? Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I graduated from college, I went straight through. I graduated in three years because I was going to go to grad school. My parents ran out of money. They sent my brother to law school. And then I had to get some scholarship money to go to grad school. So I came home. All of my girlfriends were still up at college. I didn't know anybody. I needed to work. But our next door neighbor literally said to my parents, oh, there's a scholarship thing. Nancy ought to, not, ought to find out about it. So I go to the first in, in, you know, initiation thing and 
I, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's just this, it's this pageant thing. But I did not make any connection that it was part of the Miss America. I figured it's my little local thing. I'll enter Miss Fort Lauderdale. I, I, I quit three times before the local pageant even happened. The guy kept calling me back. I think you'll do really well. Please come back. Please come back. And I just thought it was strange to be walking around in a bathing suit in my pumps, you know. But um, I was a PR major, and I needed a scholarship. So I did go back, and I met some really nice girls. Well, ended up winning my local, had no idea that I had to go on to the state. Then I go to the state. I become Miss Florida. And then I had, literally, I don't know what was wrong. I'm not stupid, but I really did not make the connection that, oh, yeah, now in three months I go to Miss America. And when that year ended, when, when I didn't make Miss America, I mean, I landed way down in the bottom 49. I mean, yeah. But I'll tell you what, it was an amazing year, guys. Hmm. Um, um, it, uh, and here was the, the attitude adjustment. This is usually the way things work in my life. <laughs> where I don't want to do something, but God in his infinite wisdom, way beyond Nancy Smart, he decides, oh no, this is a plan I have for you. And he kicks a door open and he has to literally kick my butt and make me go through it. And that's always what it, how my life's been. Um, so I find out that the year, I have a whole year, I have to do the, I have to be Miss Florida now. I lost Miss America, but I got nine months that I still got to wear this crown and be this person. And I, I had a bad attitude about it. So then I find out, oh no, but you can make appearances. So I called the business manager and I had this epiphany one day. I went, wait a minute, Nancy, get off your high horse. I know you want to go back to school and you want to go to work. You're a PR major. You're a marketing person. This, what better PR job can you have in the whole state of Florida than to be Miss Florida? So then I had, okay, voila. So I called the business manager and said, I want to be booked every day. And I literally spanned the entire length of the state of Florida. I worked more than any Miss Florida. And that's what really changed me was I got comfortable in my own skin. I started speaking publicly. I started feeling more confident. And, um, I mean, it could have gone another way. I don't recommend pageants, especially for young girls. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was the very thing that I began to see, okay, I do have some things within me that, um, that, will build con that I, I should be confident about. So that's how that started. Nancy Stafford on the line with us. Nancy, I, for some reason, I just have this visual of you up on stage. Uh, with a whole bunch of glasses in front of you, some filled with a lot of water, some filled with a little bit of water, and you just start <laughs> playing uh, by a waterfall. Yeah. You know, yeah. What yeah, was your What was your talent? Was, um, what was your talent? Come I'm, on. I'm a pianist. I'm a pianist. So I played piano. I played Greek's Hungarian Rhapsody. Boring, boring, but it was lovely. <laughs> that's that's probably a little different than Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, okay, Bohemian sorry. Rhapsody. Um, yeah. So. You grew up like like crazy Jesus girl, like Baptist, Southern Baptist. Like you grew up in the church, and then you walked away from the church for like fifteen years, uh, and then you had this cancer that sort of threatened to disfigure your face, and then your career was based on your face. So, and you're like, well, I gotta I gotta find some kind of serenity now. You know, so I need some help getting through this. And but you didn't really want to go mm -hmm. back to Christianity. It's not like you didn't want to go back to Jesus, but you were it, like Jesus wasn't the problem. It was his fan club. That's right. That's exactly right. 
you said it better than I could. Um, and that's all the time yeah, we have for, was... with uh, Nancy Stafford. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> um, no, that's exactly right. I I figure, and and the whole. Let me just elaborate a little bit on why I felt like with this this whole scare of my faith, why it was such a, a wake up call for me spiritually. Because I realized, oh my gosh, if everything I've built my little world on, my my sense of security and my identity could be shaken, you know, if if my physical self was gone. Mm-hmm. I need something substantial and real and unchangeable. And, I mean, I really, it, the reality was that having grown up as, you know, the, the brunt of every joke, and I was ridiculed for my appearance, now I was getting a lot of attention and affirmation and income from it. I was actually not only humbled, it actually humiliated me. I was, I was embarrassed and felt horrible that it had become the center of my world. <laughs> so I knew that I needed something real and unchanging. But you're right. I didn't want to. I didn't want to go to church. I just thought, you know. And in my little high horse, when I left in high school to go off to college, I didn't really mean to walk away from the church. I just did, never went because um, I thought the people were kind of hypocritical. And often we are. And to, to my great chagrin and regret and and um, grief. But anyway i so i began i didn't even mean to start a search throughout a lot of world religions i just in my ignorance because i had been away a long time i just went to a bookstore and saw the first book on the shelf that said jesus the christ and i said okay i believe that i took it off the shelf and it had been written by a guy who had been a former christian who was now uh, immersed in eastern philosophy so it had a vocabulary i recognized that made sense to me and so it just very little by little by little, I started reading more and more of that kind of book. I found it fascinating. I started studying a lot of world religions um, and was pretty steeped in all of that. I kept reading my Bible all the time. I mean, I was basically making up my own thing. I was just sort of doing whatever was going to be comfortable, like to get me through the day. But I was making God in my image. It was it was something that wasn't going to challenge me too much. Um, so I was fascinated by it. I was stimulated by it, made sense, but I didn't have a deep sense of, of settledness. I didn't have joy like I'd had. I didn't have a deep sense of peace. I still had, it's funny because, you know, I, I still had this self-loathing, this sort of secret self-loathing of myself, of who I was. That's buried, you know, like under my little painted-on smile. Um, here's the other thing. While the other, while these other religions that I studied were interesting, one thing I noticed in hindsight is that they didn't change the way I lived. I found that just in my practice, um, it didn't change how I treated people. It didn't change how I conducted myself in the workplace. And again, it, it really didn't change how I felt about myself. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, I was just sort of mixing it all up, and then I had a kind of an epiphany. We're chatting with Nancy Stafford, and uh, you might know her from a whole bunch of television shows. By the way, were you ever on Family Feud, and did you get kissed by Richard Dawson, ever? Never. I was on a lot of of game shows, but not Family Feud. No, 
No, I just uh, there was something. Well, is he in trouble now? Is he in trouble now? Well, I, th- I, th- I think he's yeah. I think his tr- those troubled days are long gone, unless he's rolling over in his grave. Um, what I what I really want to do is is see if this song brings up any memories for you as far as your saving your soul is concerned. Okay, I just, okay. just uh, hold on, uh, uh, hold on. We, we've got to get our our technical people. Remember, I said our my my engineer Tim needs. Uh, needs help he might need an employment lawyer oh, yeah yeah. Oh, yeah well he queued yeah. up the wrong song and then there's a commercial and the advertisement here we go have a listen to this So does that song bring, ring any bells when it comes to a turnaround in your soul? Yes. I, it, now, it was not the iconic theme song of Matlock, which is what I was really expecting. No. Nope. know that in a No, nope. no. Nope. It had to do with, weren't you in Hawaii? Magnum? Weren't you in Hawaii for Magnum P.I.? Magnum P.I. themes? I was, I was. Oh my gosh, yes. And you hunkered down into yeah, some some book for three days? Three days. Yeah, it was one of those weird Hollywood things that doesn't ever happen, like the production brings you in three days earlier than you're supposed to be, which never happens. That's a very expensive mistake in Hollywood. They don't make those mistakes. I just had skin cancer surgery on my face. Now I'm in Hawaii for three days. I'm not going to go on a beach. <laughs> And I had brought one of my, you know, many books that I was always, you know, devouring with me. So I sit in my little hotel room and open my backpack and pull out this book, and it revolutionized my life. It was, um, it was a collection. It was called Power for Living. I was always, you know, ordering these books about how I can have fine power, how I can have power. And um, this one's called Power for Living, and it was a just a collection of people's encounters with Jesus. And it blew my mind because I actually had this weird sensation and it it was a supernatural three days. I mean, I had this sensation as I began to read this book, I had a pain that actually started in my heart. I was 30, like 30 years old. And, but I felt like I was having a heart attack. I thought I was going to have to call 911. It just got deeper and deeper excruciating as I read this book because they, the people I was reading about, they had what I wanted. They had a relationship with God that I saw that, you know, I was pursuing him with all my heart, but I just, I wasn't getting what I really needed and wanted from him. I was not, I did not know him the way these people were describing. So um, in those three days, I had this crazy, wonderful life-changing, supernatural kind of experience in that room where the curtain of my life literally kind of went up and I got to see what my life was really like. Um, now, cor- I, cor- at the time, I was kind of, go ahead. No, I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but was was one of the chapters about Jennifer O'Neill? Uh, you know, it might have been. I don't remember that, but okay. it might have been. Because she, I think she was, she told me, the, I saw her recently, we did a conference, women's conference together as speakers, and she told me that she had been interviewed in one of those books. So yeah. it very well could have been, but I just don't remember that at the time. But um, basically God sort of showed me who he was as my father, that he was actually my loving 
intimate daddy father that he loved me and it wasn't just a cosmic kind of deity out there that you can't get close to and he basically showed me that I needed to just you know invited me to come back to him he didn't care how filthy my life was I was pretty messed up at the time he said don't dare try to clean yourself up first and come that's not how it works you just come let me love you let me heal you and let me protect you and heal you up and change you and then I had another experience where he just showed me the truth of who Jesus is, that he really is the way, the truth, and the life, and not just a great model or a, or a rabbi or a prophet. And then he showed me how much he loved me, how he saw me. And it was very different than how I saw myself. And it really began a really deep, um, intimate, and healing transformation in my life that actually still continues. That's what I love about spiritual life. And um, is that the layers, it's like an onion peel. It, it, whenever we're able and ready, God shows us another little part that he needs to touch. He says, okay, now I'm going to go after this little thing and chink in your armor or this little area of envy or this little area of um, pride or fear. And he touches them. He helps us. So it changed everything. It changed my, it changed everything. I, when I came back to L.A., and while I had still been... I was a moral girl, and I still considered myself a Christian, I think, even though I wasn't pursuing God in any kind of an active way. But I had always done shows that were okay, but this time I really prayed that I'd get to do work, that the Lord would help me to find work that was going to be honoring and not compromising in any way. And also for a godly man, because I'd been really choosing pretty badly. Yeah. So that's soon after is when I met my wonderful husband Larry Myers. Pastor Pastor Spandex. Getting great Pastor Spandex. <laughs> oh, he's gonna hate this interview. He's just gonna hate it. <laughs> it was like it was like it, this reminds me of when I had uh, Mark <clears throat> what's his name? Mark Burnett. Is that uh, yeah. married to yeah. uh uh, touched by an angel girl. What's her Roma. name? Roma. So Roma, Mark Mark was on the show and he was talking about how he met Roma and they met at a like a beauty parlor place, and he was in there to get his hair done, and and then he said, and Roma was in there getting her bunion shaved off. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, she'll love that. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Um, what drives you nuts about the kind of questions you get when it comes to uh, Mr. Matlock? You know, people are always asking you about Andy. Oh, I just feel weird saying they that. are. And you know what? I I love it. I do not get driven nuts by any question about Andy Griffith. Okay, then let me ask I you one. I want to ask you. I want to ask you. I want to ask you. That was my subtle way of saying, should I ask about this? Because that would drive me oh, nuts. No, I love. I love talking about okay. him. No, he's the greatest. Okay, here, there, here's my question. Please tell me, you saw Andy Griffith lose his temper? Nope, never. Come on. Never did. I never did. Um, the closest I ever saw to any kind of, and, and I could tell sometimes he would get very quiet. <laughs> if things were not, he didn't lose his temper and scream and holler, at least not in my presence um, or in the presence of anybody on the set. Mm -hmm. But I could tell every now and then there'd be something that would be going on that would either disgruntle him greatly or hold up production or something mm -hmm. and I'd see him just get very still and very quiet 
and then I would take about three steps backwards <laughs> just because, you know, you know, you just feel, you know, especially actors. I think we're very intuitive and, you know, you can feel the atmosphere very clearly. And I, I adored him. I think, look, look at, look at the legacy the guy has left yeah. as an American icon. I mean, from Andy Griffith's show, one of the most revered, characters, Sheriff Andy, um, to the character of Matlock, he chose specifically characters that he could infuse with tremendous integrity. And I think he's left us better as a culture mm-hmm. because of the shows he did. Yep. So yep. I found it such an honor to work with him and I adored him. And I did not play his daughter. I was the one girl, I think, on there that didn't play a daughter for five years. I was his law partner, but I felt like our relationship, even on screen, was more father-daughter than mm-hmm. some of the daughters. So I, I adored him. Well, um, I want people to buy your books and to go hear you speak and to send you, mm, you know, you. nice letters in the mail or something. I don't know, whatever. Buy keychains and frisbees and beach balls. Beach balls off your website. Um, <laughs> But but I also just before we that was my weird way of saying we're near the end of the interview here. But I, I remember Tim Conway telling me maybe the funniest story I've ever heard about Don Knotts, and it involves Don Knotts walking into a bar in his tutu. That's all I'm saying. If you want to oh hear, if you want if you want to hear that story, you got to go to DrewMarshall.ca and listen to the Tim Conway interview. It is hilarious. Oh my gosh! Hilarious. I will totally do that. I will so do that. And I will say this: while I don't remember a tutu involved, I will say that when when Don Knotts was guest starring on our show, he recurred as a crazy neighbor. Um, we shot at Universal Studios, where the big black tower is, where all the executives from Universal and from NBC would come down. And every time Andy and Don were working together, in the wings of the stage were thousands of people. Not really, but hundreds of people would come and they'd watch. So these guys coming down, executives in suits, all the suits were in the wings in the dark, watching these two do their magic. Cause That's pretty cool. They would... It was really funny. It was very, very funny. I love those guys. That's so good. So good. Well, yeah, listen, your your voice held up lightly. I'm lightly. Nicely. Yeah. I don't know where that word came from. Well, it was so late. And I'm, at, airy I'm at the age where just random words come out of my mouth now. It's like it's like I'm having a stroke every single day. Um, NancyStafford.com is the website. NancyStafford.com. There are, there, really, there are some really actually inspirational books that you can uh, you can purchase that uh, Nancy has written. I think she's written about 342 books. <laughs> um, for every day of the year. Two. Yes. Um, two. But they can also find out about my upcoming movies and new stuff I'm doing all the time. So yeah. that's cool. I'd love people to visit. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for being um, a genuine Jesus chick with a pulse. Aw. Thank you <laughs> for not- being somebody that really loves to hear people's journeys and stories and and pr- spiritual pursuits. We appreciate that so much. We appreciate you, Drew. Wow. We're just this is lo- this is like a Canadian moment. Two Canadians complimenting it's almost like yeah, she's yeah. Canadian. Yeah, no, wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh Nancy, I wish you the best. I'm glad you're feeling well. I'm glad it worked out and um uh, yeah, just I don't know. Go away. Have a nice life. Wait, you're married to like a 
this other than Pastor Spandex. He's also um, rock star, Jesus singer guy. No, what, what is it? Worship. That's the. Well, term. he's he's a he's a wonderful musician. He plays uh, violin, fiddle, mandolin, and cello. So he does lots and lots and lots of worship music and. But he was he not involved with the vineyard uh, thing when it started? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of the original pastors of the vineyard. Yeah, when it first started. Cool. And he's played with some really good guys and still does. He plays a lot of music. Well, we're not going to talk about him because it's not about him. Nancy, thank no. you very much. So good to chat with you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Take dear. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care, Dad. Nancy Stafford on the Drew Marshall Show.